Welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. My name is Jody Lima, and on this twice-monthly podcast, hosted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Ray Anthony Shepard. He's the author of the recently released picture book biography, Runaway, The Daring Escape of Ona Judge. And we're going to be talking about that as well as the verse novel Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson. Uh, But first, as always, I'm going to start with a poem. Uh, And the poem for today is called The Poems I Like Best, and it was written by Tracy Vaughn Zimmer. The Poems I Like Best The poems I like best wear classic black with vintage accessories and smell like a new book, The Spine Just Cracked. The chit-chat overheard on a city bus or nonsense volleyed between toddlers on swings at the park. My favorite poems squeeze your hand on a crowded street and say, Look. The poems I like best wear blue jeans and smell like the tack room of a barn, worn leather and horse. The varied verses of a mockingbird's tune or syllables between brothers scratching scruffy chins under the hood of a truck. My favorite poems hold a wooden spoon of words and whisper, taste. My guest today is Ray Anthony Shepard, author of Now or Never, 54th Massachusetts Infantry's War to End Slavery, and his most recent book is the picture book biography Runaway, The Daring Escape of Ona Judge. You can find his website at www.rayanthonysheppard.com. Thank you for joining me today, Ray. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Now, as I mentioned, your your most recent book is this picture book biography, Runaway. Can you talk a little bit of uh, what this book is and who Ona Judge is? Uh, it's a picture book, uh, bi- a picture book biography of a young lady who was enslaved by Martha and George Washington for uh, twenty three years. Um, she ran away or escaped in October of seventeen ninety six and uh, moved to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where she lived for some 54 years as a fugitive. Uh, As you know, the fugitive slave law made runaway slaves fugitives or outlaws uh, for the rest of their lives. So she was never technically or legally free. Uh, This picture book biography, which is for obviously for younger readers, is about the day in which she makes her decision to leave. And so it's a slice of life biography, if you, if you like. And it introduces uh, young readers to the issue of slavery, but in a, in, a different, in, in a different way, instead of the physical hardships or abuse, it is about the psychological abuse or hardship that she uh, decides to leave. And where did the idea of telling her story and making it into a picture book come to you? Well, my daughter um, was in graduate school down in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania. And when I was visiting the president, the site of the president's house, I stumbled upon the story of Ona Judge. 
and I started to write it at actually at a workshop, writer's workshop. And later, maybe a so, uh, but within a year, an, an adult book came out on, on Ona Judge called uh, Never Caught by Erica Dunbar. And that encouraged me more to write a book for, as I said, younger readers. Because it's a story, it's a story that, that is not well known. Well, one, one interesting thing I thought you did in the book is you have this uh, question that repeats throughout the book, you know, asking, you know, why she ran away. And at first it seems maybe it's directed at her, but it, then it becomes obvious it's more about the reader and sort of uh, pre preconceived notions that they have in their mind. You know, I'm hearing this question, why did you run away? Right. And, and it's a question that if you think in terms of um, one could argue that she had the best job a slave could have. That is, she was a personal maid of Martha Washington, one, the richest lady in Virginia, and, and obviously the po most powerful woman, most influential woman in America at a time when others of her, of her uh, racial group, that is, Savona's group, were enslaved and working in fields and had a very, uh, uh, a very tough life. She had a soft life. She had, in in terms of material things, she had a closet full of food, uh, clothes. She ate the food that Hercules cooked for George Washington. She, uh, wherever Martha went, she she went with her to assist her, and so. Um, in many ways, she did have the best job a slave could have. And why then would she trade all that in for the hard scrabble life of a fugitive? And it gets at, for, for me, I want young readers to see that the, the desire for liberty or the desire for freedom is greater than any material want. And so I, I frame that in, that in the question, uh, why did you run? Now, I know in your uh, your biography on your website, you refer to yourself as a historiographer. I, I think I'm saying yes. that right. Um, yes. just, just first, what is that? And um, how <laughs> did that help to inform, you know, how you approach this story? Well, it's my publishers called me a historian, but that's that's uh, probably a little exaggerated. The way to look, one way to self-describe is that like many, many people, I'm a history buff. I was a history, middle school history teacher and high school history teacher. I spent uh, many years in educational publishing, editing history textbooks. And now I've, since retirement, I've started this encore career of writing biographies uh, based on my interest and love of history. And so, I use the term historiography to say, I tell stories, the story behind the facts. So uh, that's just my way of describing what I attempt to do. Another way to say, <laughs> describe it is, I'm a, a late in age biographer, right? That is, I became a biographer late in uh, post-retirement. 
I imagine uh, writing a biography for a picture book is very different than, say, for a textbook or just writing a full, you know, full-length biography uh, because you have length and a particular audience in mind. I imagine it has its own um, challenges, you know, just being shorter doesn't make it easier. <laughs> you know, you have to really uh, figure out what's important to say and how to say it as well. Yes, and and you're you're faced with a challenge of first of all, you're going to have to condense whether it's forty pages, forty eight pages, sixty four pages. You're going to condense, and so do you do a slice of life, such as I've done here with Runaway, or you do a, a full bio that is a, a cradle to grave biography, which is also done, can be done in picture books, and both have a certain kind of challenge. Uh, is how what to ch- what to leave put in and what to leave out, and how best how best to tell the story that shows the reader. Usually, it's a young reader or a younger reader, though I like to think that picture books can be for readers three to one hundred and three. You're you're capturing a life in a way that it's compressed at the same time. It doesn't shortchange the reader in terms of understanding who this person was, what this person faced, and how this person overcame the challenges that they faced. Uh, the, the illustrator was uh, Keith Mallett, that's correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, uh, I know in a lot of times with picture books, there's not necessarily a collaboration between the the author of the text and the illustrator. They'll just sort of, you know, the illustrator get the text and they'll do their own thing. But I'm wondering, because this is, uh, you know, oh, dealing with a real person in a real historical setting, was there any sort of a collaborative process or was it pretty much you provide the text and he would uh, do the illustrations? It was a combination of both. We never, we have never met, nor exchanged, uh, had Zoom calls or Skype calls, but we did exchange a lot of emails, and we had the benefit of working with a, a wonderful editor and book designer or art director, and so I had an opportunity to look at early early sketches and make comments and and so i at by the end of the process i felt that he captured the story that i wanted to tell uh, one one uh, review of the book refers to his illustrations as american girl type illustrations and i take that as a compliment in the sense that Remember, we're working with the issue of slavery, and for gen- the general reader, whether that reader's three or, as I said before, 103, the issue is slavery is the cruelty of it, the physical cruelty of it, or the, 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 the scarred bodies in the uh, cotton fields. And so here you have someone who is very is attractive, uh, is well-dressed, is treated well, ignoring the fact that she's enslaved, but she is not beaten, she's not abused, she's not verbally abused. And his illustrations capture that. And so it makes it even, it goes to the heart of the question, why then would she run? 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really gorgeous illustrations. And I think, as you said, it gives a, a fuller picture. Sometimes we have very sort of narrow scope in how we look at historical things. And mm-hmm. and books like this give us a, a sort of a wider idea and, and an opportunity to ask questions that otherwise, you know, might not get asked. No, absolutely. Is there a part of the book you'd like to share? Yes, I thought I would share some of the earlier, the, the first part of the book. Uh, and I, I do that because for those who are listening who are writers, you know the importance of a first chapter or the first scenes that you present to the reader. And it is this is where you either hook the reader or you lose the reader. And so uh, I spend a lot of time working on those first few uh, scenes so that, as Kurt Vonnegut says, uh, don't waste the reader's time. And so I try hard uh, not to do that. So this is from the very first few pages. And it goes to the question that we have been discussing. Ona Judge, Ona Judge, why'd you run away, Ona Judge? You had fine dresses. Fancy bonnets for your bushy black hair. Soft shoes for your tender brown feet. Why'd you run, Ona Judge? You rode in a first-class carriage with the lady who called you her own. She took you on Terry Street. She took you to the best houses when she visited other important ladies. Why'd you run, Ona Judge? You were the lady's favorite. She carried you off to Mount Vernon when you were 16. Didn't ask if you wanted to go. Didn't ask if you would miss your mama. She hauled you to New York to brush your hair. She took you to Philadelphia to sew her elegant gowns. Why'd you run, Ona Judge? You ate the food Hercules cooked for the lady's husband, George Washington. You had your own room in the president's house with a fireplace and servants to bring you wood. Why'd you run, Ona Judge? You were the color of salt water caramel with freckles of cinnamon flakes, your hair the scent of dogwood, your eyes shone like British coal. On Chestnut Street, men tipped their hats to you and Eliza, the president's granddaughter. They thought you were her friend. Why'd you run, Ona Judge? You saw history at the dining room table when you peeked through the kitchen door. Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Alexander Hamilton, warriors and diplomats who made America free. Did you think they meant you? There you are. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. It is such a great way to start a book. And uh, and I've often said I don't think people appreciate that picture books, although they're shorter form, 
Um, I mean, it's 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 like writing a poem, and and you know, and you have every word counts, and so get just getting those, like you're saying, you know, getting the beginning and getting every word, you know, to really paint that picture, even though you have illustrations, is a challenge at times. You read down the page, and it sounds like it, everything's just right, and it sounds so easy, but it takes a lot of work to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. It takes it takes a lot of time, and for sure. Now, the, the book you picked um, as one of your own particular favorite books for young readers is the uh, verse novel Before the Ever After, which was written by uh, Jacqueline Woodson, and this was just published last year in 2020. For readers who uh, haven't read this yet, and uh, until you suggested I hadn't read this particular one, I'd read other books by her, but I hadn't read this one yet. Can you talk a little bit of what this book is about? Well, as you said, it's a novel in verse. It's probably intended audience. It's middle grade. Uh, it's a story of a young, of, of a boy between the ages of 10 to 12. He's 12 by the end of the story. And his father is a very successful football player, a hero, uh, a football hero, either for the in the New York area. They live in Maplewood, New Jersey. His father, uh, a tight end, for those of you who are football fans, has suffered uh, a series of concussions and is suffering from uh, uh, damage to the brain from his concussions. And he's no longer able to play. And for his son, uh, uh, ZJ, it is an unraveling of the life that he has known. His father, the big hero, who no longer can play football, but more importantly, he's no, his father is no longer himself. And the young man, um, ZJ, is struggling as his life shifts. He sees the stress of that, that his mother is experiencing as her husband becomes more more and more like an invalid. He sees friends of his father beginning to pull away. His father has uh, incidents where he's, his head hurts so much he's running down the street, the street screaming and the police are called. And yet ZJ's friends stick with him. And so it is a novel of coming of age in, certain, in many ways. And it's about the strength of family and the loss of, of loss of love. And written in a verse, I think we said. The the relationship between ZJ and his father is is interesting. It's there's a lot of layers to it. He, he obviously really adores and loves his father. At the same time his father somebody casts a large shadow because of you know, who he is and the sort of profession uh, that he has as well. And also ZJ has this more artistic bent. He wants to be a song uh, writer. So it's it's complicated, I guess. And then when he changes, even though his father had this large shadow, and then seeing that go away, he, it's uh, it kind of complicates things as well. Absolutely. It's interesting that, uh, um, you know, seeing uh, the father and son, I'm not sure there are a whole lot of books out there about fathers and sons or fathers and sons who uh, have kind of that, um, you know, loving relationship. You know, sometimes it's contentious, but I'm not sure there are a lot of books like that out there. True. And and it works on on another level or many, many other levels. And the reason why, first of all, first of all, why I chose this book to talk about because one, I'm a great admirer of the author. 
uh, particular brown girl dreaming, but as someone who try who's experimenting working in verse. In fact, I've just finished a um, a very long book that's in verse, and I look to Jacqueline Woodson as a model of how to do it right. I mean, her storytelling ability, her um, her use of language, and the way in which she structures her her poems with such elegance that you're they don't call attention to them to themselves. She doesn't call attention to her writing as she tells her story, but at the same time as a writer, you're you're aware of the artistry that is going on uh, on the page. And so it's a it's an amazing book. She's an amazing writer and um, one of my one of my favorites. And I want to also add that, one of the challenges for uh, black writers is the fact that most how how do you tell us tell a story in which race is not a factor and that there are very few there are not enough books out there that do that now as someone who writes nonfiction or writes biography i'm will probably never be able to do that. But as a novelist, here we have a story. It's about family love. It's about the loss of a father. It's about the relationship of, of the son to his parents, relationship of son to his friends. Race is not an, is not an element at all. And what's good about that is I, black kids, white kids, Asian kids, readers, need to see a fuller picture of black life. It's more, black life is more than slavery, civil rights, or police brutality. And so, and and she's made this point, Jacqueline Woodson has made this point in a New York Times article, but here she, she, she delivers on that promise. And so that's another reason why I, I chose to share this book. Because it's a, it is a story about family and friendship, and um, and it's it's even though a very difficult thing goes on, it's mostly it's a, it's it's a very positive um, relationship that everybody has. And and when you think about it, of all the that alone makes it an exceptional. But when you overlay the race issue on it, it it becomes even more exceptional. That this is a story, a positive story about family life facing a hardship that's not necessarily race-induced. It, it deals with this specific condition, CTE, which stands for chronic mm -hmm. traumatic encephalopathy. I'm probably saying I'm that I'm glad wrong. you can pronounce it because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> not, I think I got that right, but I'm not entirely sure. Well, what, what's interesting is it shows, you know, not only how it affects his father, but like so many things like this, it affects everybody around. So it's not just he's affected but, you know, family and friend, everybody seems to be affected by it as well. Right. And even though this takes place in, in the late 90s, um, there is now, for, for your listeners who want to follow, there is now a suit against the NFL over this very same issue and, and how the, some players were um, unfairly compensated, less, uh, less than fully compensated for, for their injuries. 
so it's timely, even though it's written. It takes place uh, 15, 15, 20 years, 20 years ago. Even though changes have taken place, there's still a lot of people still dealing uh, yes. with this particular problem. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, the, the book deals with the difficulties and how, you know, fame can be a little fickle and, and some people do sort of drop away and friends. But um, it also talks about um, this, you know, the support of family and friends like ZJ's friends and, you know, his father's friends and those people who do stay um, even when things get difficult. And why is that so important to see that as well, not just the bad side, but also how people, you know, also stay, you know, uh, for long haul? And it goes to the way she's described that the, the this book is about positive relationships between humans. And I'm wondering this. Uh, I always thought is that the, the ending of this book is kind of interesting. It doesn't end on a big dramatic moment. There isn't a sudden cure or or a dramatic death, but rather it's you get the impression that this is a, a story that's even after the end of the book, it's it's an ongoing thing. You know, it's it really is. Uh, it, there's an ending to the book because the book has to end. But the story itself, you, you get the feeling, is kind of still going on. And, and why, why is it important to you think she did it that way to show that this is there isn't really an ending? It's sort of it, it's just this is a story that's going to continue even after the last page. Yes, she does that, and at the same time, what she does, the big win, and that's always important, I think, when writing for young readers. The big win is that C.J. now is is maturing. He's accepting. He's ready. The future, there's no guarantee of the fu- his father's future. In fact, we can fairly sure that he, he will continue uh, downhill. But at the same time, we know that his son is prepared and is able to handle whatever that comes. And so that's, that's how she ends. That's the, what, what I like to call the giving the reader the, a, a, the, a big win or a, a, a positive ending on an upbeat. I think for young readers, too, who might be going through difficult situations, even if it isn't this specific one, but where there's a change in the family, you know, that learning ways to deal with that might be helpful, too. And, and, and the importance of friendship. And we see in, in one, of the, one of his friends whose parents are going through a separation or a divorce, um, their response is, we're still the, we're still the fabulous four, the, the, we're still the quartet, we're, we're still your buddies. And, um, just as his, his three friends are the, his support group. So again, it's, it's about the relationship between peers, the relationship between parents and children. Now, I'm always fascinated by titles, and this is a this is a really great title. It's it's like one of those titles where you're saying, "Well, I can't imagine nobody's thought of this title before." You know, it's it's such a, a great title, and I'm just wondering what did it what did you think about it yourself, or what does it mean to you? This before the ever after. Yeah, well, it goes to that um, how she leaves us with ZJ in terms of he's he's ready now for whatever comes next and he's being prepared for it by the before so that's how i see the title this book is the the is the before story 
and the ever after starts almost on the page that follows the end. And we're confident. I think the reader leaves the story confident that this kid will be okay. This kid will be tough enough and will be supportive of his parent, of his mother. So even though it deals with a difficult and sad situation, it's a, it's a feeling of, of a positive feeling that it ends with. It's not a, a feeling of um, despair and sadness it ends with. This is still going to be difficult, but we'll find the strength to go on. Yes, yes, yes. Just like the title, you know, I think you, you touched on this earlier, you know, Jack, Woodson, you know, uh, the power of her words. This is a, it's a fairly uh, short book as books go. And yet we get, a, you know, a whole story and get all these relationships and it's told in verse. So, um, so it's, it's like I was talking about before with picture books every, where every word counts. And, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, what could, and I think you touched on this a little bit already, what other authors could learn in a book like this about how to tell a story or how to create characters. Uh, not using, you know, endless words, but really thinking about using words effectively. I think for, perhaps I read this someplace just recently, but it, I think it writers for young, younger readers, the emphasis always is on character as opposed to, it's not to say the plot it doesn't play a role, but plot is secondary. So as a writer, you, you want to give your, you want a sympathetic character that the reader can identify with. The reader can recognize the problem or quest or plight that your main character is facing and be ready to root for the success of that character as she or he goes through a number of challenges. And she keeps the, Jacqueline Woodson in this story, keeps the emphasis on character. And she uses language in such a way that you're always, I believe the reader is, is always identifying focus is, is focused on the character, on, on, on the character's plight. And she creates scenes in which the reader is part fills part of that scene and that's that's the brilliance of her language as well as her storytelling you connect with the character you're you'll be the reader will be willing to go with them wherever they go wherever they go and 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 she puts you in the story you the reader in the story you can see him looking in the mirror you can see him touch trying on his daddy's shoes. You can see him giving the football to, to a, a fellow student who wants to go pro. And that's, that's the art of her craft. And I think as aspiring writers, we can all learn from that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there a passage from the book you'd like to share? Yes, I would. This is about two-thirds of the way in, and it comes to, again, for those who are not familiar with the book, we have a father who, a super, superstar football player who no longer can play and is going through this debilitating um, brain disease. And it, this particular passage is called New Normal. Monday morning, I came down all dressed in jeans, a football jersey and a t-shirt underneath, 
define mama kneeling in front of daddy, putting socks onto his feet, and him staring out at the window. Already hasn't been a great morning, mama says. Zachariah, say good morning to your son, he tells my dad. But he keeps looking straight ahead, his brows creased like he's in deep concentration. Hey, dad, I say. Come, and I come over to him and kiss the top of his head. He jumps a little and keeps staring. And Mama now is at the stove, spooning oatmeal into a bowl for me, sprinkling nuts on top and slicing banana over it. I can do that, I tell her. But you don't have to, Mama says back. Not yet. Be a boy a little while longer. I look over at Dad again, his head hanging now and moving slowly side to side. This isn't some kind of new normal, my mom says. We're going to figure this out, ZJ. She pushes an oatmeal, a bowl of oatmeal toward me. What time is it, my dad says. I got to get to the game. You have time, my mama says back to him. You have plenty of time. Thank you. That last line, too, it's, it's, it really hits, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Ray, uh, th- thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk to me uh, both about this book and give me a chance to, you know, like I said, it's one of those books I hadn't had a chance to read. So uh, for give me a chance to read it and talk to you about it today and also to talk to me about your own uh, picture book biography, uh, and, and which I had the pleasure to read as well. So thank you for sharing both of those things today. Well, I thank you for the opportunity, and to all your listeners out there, I, I wish you well. You can find Ray's website at www.rayanthonyshepherd.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music, titled All Together, is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can find the Dream Gardens podcast website at jleemott.com and my author website at jodyleemott.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at dreamgardensjlm. The Dream Gardens podcast is available through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Keep reading.